Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Ian. And on this episode, we're going to do some playing, doing, thinking board games. And uh, we're going to do some reviews as well. Uh, I'm going to uh, tackle uh, Rocket Man and uh, Ryan and Ian. (laughs) Santa Monica, baby. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Let's talk about what we've been uh, playing. And um, Ryan, I know I know it's been a while since you've talked about this, but talk about some Marvel. Yeah, it always seems like you can throw a stone or throw a dart at all the Cardboard Conjecture podcasts, and you probably <laughs> will be talking about Marvel sometime. Um, but this is not going to be Marvel Champions. This is actually going to be Marvel <laughs> United. Um, my son was homesick for a little bit of the past week, and so we decided we were going to play through Marvel United, and we actually busted out one of the expansions that we, um, uh, we hadn't played through yet. And that was the Infinity Gauntlet uh, expansion, which added four new heroes, uh, uh, four new heroes, four new villains, Mm -hmm. and kind of added a little bit of a campaign aspect. So we were able to manage to um, play it over um, a couple days because a single game of Marvel United only takes about 20 to 30 minutes. And the Infinity Gauntlet expansion gets um, gets you to play through four uh, games. Uh, the first three games you have to play against um, Thanos's children. So you got Ebony Maw, the Black Dwarf, and Proxima Midnight. Uh, those are the three that come in the uh, Infinity Gauntlet box. And then the fourth villain is obviously Thanos. Um, we really enjoyed what this one brings um, because Part of the villain decks is that you have to shuffle in the um, infinity stones. Mm-hmm. And so every now and then when a villain card comes out, a infinity stone might come out. And if an infinity stone comes out, you set it aside because that's going to be Thanos's when you actually have to fight him. Yeah. So, he, so this is kind of like, hey, you've been taking too long. Um, Thanos' children found him an infinity stone and just kind of, you know, 
gives it to him. So when the final fight uh, against Thanos, it's really difficult if he has <laughs> lots of infinity stones. Yeah. Actually, if he gets all six infinity stones, you actually lose the campaign. Uh, it, it's, it's all done. So really, really cool. The three children of Thanos are very difficult. Um, actually, no, Ebony Ma was actually okay. He was a very standard, difficult um, uh, villain, but Proxima Midnight, holy cow. Like her <laughs> whole thing was to like execute civilians. And if she gets, gets through like so many of them, um, you lose the you lose the scenario. So, ee. and then Black Dwarf, he just is hunting you down, trying to beat you down. And then again, the same thing with Thanos. He's just amped up, power, beating you. We lost. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just let that. Um, Thanos was way too powerful. Um, even though there's, they introduced these things called the power-up cards to help you beat up Thanos, but they, the ones that we got, they didn't help us. <laughs> they were like Pez. They were Pez. <laughs> Pretty much. So um, that's okay. The Avengers lost their first time around with them too. Yeah, yeah. So you're fine. Yeah. And act um, two, act two, man. Yeah, and um, so in <clears throat> Thanos um, scenario. He has a whole bunch of different locations that, that come in just the expansion. And they're really, really quite cool because um, uh, Volmir or Volmar, the Marvel <laughs> fans are going um, crazy right now. Um, it has a special ability where you can actually like KO or kill one of your heroes to actually like clear threat off oh. of off of the board so it's kind of like you know like the spoiler alert uh, black widow um scene from the avengers movies uh, i think you don't have to say spoiler it's been a while <laughs> has it okay <laughs> but, uh yeah so we're looking for oh i didn't even say what heroes we were playing with <laughs> it was the the most likely team up of beta ray bill which is kind of like an Asgardian um, folklore. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Howard the Duck. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm we're, glad, we're yeah, I'm glad you guys right from the beginning. Because <laughs> it was Howard the Duck was part of the team to save the universe. So what, does he burn you with his cigar? Like, what does he do? I, I, don't, I don't see He's him. actually got some <laughs> actually pretty powerful cards, but uh, at the expense of... Um, the whole thing about Marvel United is being able to play off the cards uh, that were played before. His his action slots for another person to use are blank, so okay. he, it's actually really hard for somebody to to piggyback off his because he's got actually pretty decent abilities. So they kind of had the nerf him because he's obviously the most powerful character in the Marvel universe. <laughs> exactly. Cool. That so, sounds that sounded uh, like a little bit of a uh, obstacle. You're gonna you're gonna try that combo again, aren't you? The the, the, the heroes? No, <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna play those guys again. Um, but uh, it, it, it was a fun expansion. I liked what it brought to to Marvel United. It actually really changed it up quite a bit. Nice, nice. Well, I'm I'm gonna jump in now. 
And uh, I'm going to talk about a game that I had an opportunity to play that just, I think the Kickstarter uh, campaign just finished, and that's Distilled, uh, designed by Dave Beck and published by uh, Paverson, Paverson Games, not too sure. Um, yeah, it's basically a distillery. You're, you're, you know, the, the elevated spirits, the scotches, the, the whiskeys. Um, and uh, what, I really, what I really got drawn into with this one, obviously the theme, love me the, I like scotch, 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 scotch. Um, but uh, uh, what, I, what I appreciated the most is the attention to detail where mechanisms meets um, the, the theme of the game, right? So the idea, like it, when when uh, when we we're in Scotland, we had the opportunity to go see a lot of, a lot of uh, distilleries, and um, I always thought it was it was this this, the 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 distiller, the master distiller, would let the let it run off, and he they would let the head and the tail of the batch run off because the heart uh, is what's considered the best, the premium part of that of that brew, and uh, in the game. You have your cards, you have your ingredients, and it's uh, it's kind of like a recipe building. And then when you distill, you shuffle them all together. You take the top one off and you put it back in your on your tableau, and you take the bottom one off and you put it back in your tableau. Then you evaluate what kind of brew, what kind of level of of uh, of ingredients there are, and then you look at what you're able to, according to your recipes, what you're able to create. And everybody by default <laughs> can create moonshine and vodka, right? <laughs> if you want to do more, like there's a bronze, silver, and gold categories of recipes that you have to buy, right? There's this brilliant engine that goes on. And, um, but you have to buy these recipes, and the recipes have specific requirements in regards to ingredients and um, the storage process. Sometimes it's just in a metal, you know, metal tin, and sometimes it's in a it's in a wooden keg, and sometimes it's a clay pot, depending on the brew and the recipe. Um, wow, this was so much fun! I played this solo, and what I appreciated the most was a because you know be, me being the only gamer in my in my household, um, I play in a lot of solo games, so I see a lot of uh, interpretations of what is a good AI system, and they use this cool. Um, I would say tableau of a of a stacked of cards, right? Uh, objective cards. You know, if you have uh, five water in this brew, you get to get these points. And what you have to do from bottom level to top level is achieve events in order to trigger the next level of progress down this path. So you have to be productive, and you have to look at what you're able to pick because once you pick a, let's say, on this uh, this uh, solo play tableau, once you pick uh, an event and achieve an event, it opens up the tangent events to you. And then you can either go to the next level. Now, what I liked about this one for the solo part is at mid play, there's a, there's a mid level event that has a number on it. And there's an end game event that you have to achieve that has a number on it. Those two numbers dictate your target point to win or lose the game. And, uh, and you can add more per level if you want to increase the difficulty. And I did. Man, this is a fun brain burner game. It's, I mean, there's not much, I don't want to say there's not much luck. The luck is basically mitigated by that, ta the, taking the head card off and the tail card off. 
but you get to keep it for the next batch. So yeah, I had so much fun with this game. This was, this was by far um, probably one of the, 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 the most happy surprises of the year for me. And uh, thank you, Dave, by the way. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and get this game to you guys. If it interests you at all, uh, let me know. I'll pass this on to you. You guys can have a, have a play. So this was definitely one that was a Kickstarter that I, that I was paying attention to. I didn't end up backing it. Um, I do think I, I, I do want uh, to play it. I, the theme. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. Awesome. yeah I do think theme. you can go into the pledge manager and, and, uh, and still get like a late kind of late, late add on. So yeah. Good. Yeah, and the yeah, I like I like late pledges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, distilled by Dave Beck, published by Paverson, Paverson Games. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'll check. I'll check the show notes. <laughs> Ian, <laughs> what do you got going on, man? We played Roots the other day, which has been a while, and this is the first time I broke out the Riverfolk expansion. Now, the Riverfolk expansion comes with two new factions it comes with the the lizards and the otters uh we did not play with the lizards because i thought it's been a while since we played root we got somebody in who has never played before who's learning the game for the first time <laughs> we're just gonna bring one new faction in <clears throat> and of course i wanted to play that new faction so i did <laughs> uh, i played as the the otters which is like the trading company that goes along the river and we also had the birds, the cats, and the vagabond, um, who was whichever one is the cat that is wearing a pumpkin on his face for some reason. <laughs> anyway, okay. being very sneaky at Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we had a lot of fun playing it. Uh, the new player played as the birds, and if, I think they liked it. Like I think Matt liked it. But the birds is a tough one. Like it's mm. it's a tough one to get a hang of. He but he only lost his That's the program card, right? That is. You have yeah. to set up the cards and then you have to do it every turn and you have to add something to yeah. it every turn. And if you don't accomplish it, you go into distress or whatever it is yeah. they call it. He only mm. did that once, which is pretty impressive for a first time play. Um uh, as the otters, I thought the otters were really cool. So what what they are is you get other people to give you their their little warrior tokens that you will then use as actions. And they if they give you those tokens and they get they get bonuses, they can either use the river like because <clears throat> the otters can actually move up and down the river. Nobody else can unless they pay for that ability. They can buy cards from your hand and they can also, for one turn, use all of your otters as their troops. So that's the mercenaries action, which I don't think they used enough because I'm like, that's pretty awesome. And I like strategically put otters all over the place so that there was always Sleeper an otter agents. somewhere. Sleeper right. agents. <laughs> Cylons. But I had to like beg and plead people to, <laughs> to, do, to take these actions. Now, Ryan, I'm going to need your help on this one because I had we had the Vagabond and everything I could read. The, of course, the Vagabond is only one token. He doesn't have warriors. So it was like, right. well, the Vagabond doesn't actually interact with me at all. 
So nope. is this faction not as good without the Vagabond? Or is there something that I'm missing that they could have interacted? Oh, no, okay. <clears throat> it's been a while since I played with the Otters. And from what I gathered, yeah, the Vagabond has very limited um, re um, actions with the Otters. Um, pretty much it's kind of like the exchange of cards is kind of like his big thing that he can do. But other than that, yeah, he's not really using the otter troops all that much to fight yeah. because that's not his, that's not his game style. Right. But I couldn't find any way in which he could interact. Like the, the root rule book sucks. <laughs> it really does. It's not good. Like it's very confusing when you're trying to find something specific, they have like a, a thing but it, it doesn't help because yeah. all i was looking for is okay obviously the if the vagabonds are going to interact there's got to be something different you think i could find it no no so and know. you even got because when that came you got the upgrade pack like i gave you the upgrade pack that gave you like the new rules reference um kind of stuff and the it you know, and there's nothing in there Oh, now I have to go back. Now I mean, there might be, but yeah. we were starting a game and I didn't want to waste a whole lot of time looking for the rules. And I right. couldn't find anything immediately under the otters. Right. So I'm like, well, I guess they don't. Like, I guess they just don't. So, hmm. But the otters are really cool. I, I, I enjoyed playing them. I wish more people would have done stuff with them. And I think that they can add a whole different level yeah. of interaction. To they, the they add um interaction and you have to have a group that's willing to interact with you i think yeah and then one of the problems is one of the players was my wife who <laughs> would just like straight up refused to help me in any way shape or form so. you're on your own yeah <laughs> yeah cool so so uh you like the riverfolk expansion you know i do i i i think you have to try the lizards yeah, oh, I'm definitely going to try the lizards next time. But yeah, they they pop up. You get they have to be careful because they all pop up when you're least suspecting it, and really ruin your plans. <laughs> cool, cool. I you know it's been a while since I played root. We, we might have to have a next time we go face to face. We might have to pull root out. Yeah, mm, and then yeah. and then get angry at each other. <laughs> I got a whole lot more root coming in the mail someday in the next year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the underground expansion? You don't have that one yet? I have the underground, but then they had another Kickstarter after that one to give oh. you a whole bunch more stuff. And not to go on a tangent, but I'm seeing so much, uh, um, I would say, scare email or scare social media about the lag time about shipping overseas shipping that's going to start hitting us and all these shipping container prices and yeah yeah i'm i'm getting worried you got you got me all worried about this this wave of games coming in that may not come that, in for a while that's a whole nother topic <laughs> we, we could spend an hour yeah talking yeah. about the economic implications of that mm -hmm.
This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going to go into, Brian, what are we going to go into? The Reviews. Yeah, big reverb. (laughs) Yeah, and you got to get in on that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's eating his popcorn watching. You guys are idiots. <laughs> um, uh, I was looking at the show notes. I see that you guys are going to join in on uh, on on whatever that song you sang in the beginning. I'm not too sure. I'm I'm frightened. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna take lead and uh, and I hope it's not too soon that I that I review this. But I'm going to review Rocket Man by Martin Wallace, published by Phalanx Games. Uh, one to four players. Yay, solo! And uh, 30 to 90 minutes. And the 30 minutes for solo, once you start playing, you can have that. That's, I mean, that's pretty authentic time. Well, what is Rocket Man? I always love reading the description. So let me get this description. And, uh, and then I can just go straight into uh, what I think about it. So they have set up their empires of trailblazing innovation and groundbreaking technologies on a somewhat unremarkable planet circling around a rather average star. Years of hard work and steadfast dedication to their clear-cut vision of looking further than the day-to-day toils and chaos or chores of human civilization uh, have cemented their reputation as the forefathers of the future humanity. So basically this is a space race game and you're trying to, I mean, it's a Euro, it's a deck building game. what you're trying to do is you're trying to amass the most points by a certain amount of, uh, of let's say, timer uh, elements in the game, card deck or uh, people getting their objective uh, markers out on the board or a combination of uh, everybody's objective markers on the board in diff- three different territories. Those three different territories are, and I say territories, but it's space. Um, you're trying to go, first objective is, um, um, Earth, you're trying to uh, uh, have influence in the in the orbiting of Earth by building. I think the objectives are uh, satellites, space stations. Uh, I think there's one called a space hotel. And uh, each of those, once you complete this mission, has a benefit that is a game long um, um, bonus to your deck building system. And I'll get back to that later. The second uh, uh, um, kind of race objective is the moon. And again, the moon has four objectives, uh, satellite, um, uh, uh, mining, no, satellite, uh, um, space station, and uh, I think it's another space hotel, but without getting too um, uh, deep into the the details of that, uh, four missions, uh, again, there are for these missions first one that gets there gets a certain amount of victory points then the next people that get there get a lower value of amount of victory points you still get victory points 
which is part of this amassment of the victory points going towards the end of the game. The last big one is Mars. Mars has, uh, I believe, a reduced amount of missions, but those missions have an incredible comparative victory point value because of the amount of cards that you're going to have to amass to be able to make that journey. How do you amass these cards? It's a deck builder. You have a market. So in this market, you'll have, um, you'll have money bonus cards. You'll have items. You'll have features. Um, also, in the, like every deck builder, you have your, your fluctuating market that is most likely, and this one is one of the timers of the game. If the market goes out and all the deck, all the cards are gone out of the market, that is one of the end game conditions. Like every deck builder, you have the generic market. And this generic market is cool. It's the engines that you get to buy for your spaceships. So each engine stage obviously is going to cost more as you're starting to progress and work on your own deck engine. Um, basically, the unique mechanism, I think, in this game is uh, when you decide at the end of your turn, you can... Um, you can put cards into your launch area to prepare for a launch. You can buy from the market. Um, and at the end of your, or you can, you know, like just ditch your cards into your hand as like, you know, you know, discard your hand kind of thing. Um, or, and at the end of your turn, you can uh, launch. When you launch, there's a process to it because you can abandon your launch if you want. If you start realizing that, oh, you're not going to make it because this, I'm not usually a big fan of randomness, but this thematically works to me. Um, you have a launch deck. In that deck, there are numbers that progress you down the path towards Earth orbit, the moon, or Mars. And um, these, this deck ranges from uh, like your bell curve, right? Zero, there's one card of zero, and a big old four, there's only one card of those. A two and a three, or sorry, one and a three, there's more cards. Um, and then as you progress, I mean, your typical bell curve, the cards in the middle, there'll be more. The cards on the extreme ends of those bell curves, there'll be less. You shuffle this deck up. And on your mission card, it'll say, if I'm, if I'm choosing a mission to go to Earth orbit to put a satellite out, um, and if I achieve that, it'll give me an extra engine that I can put into my tableau, which is there all the time. You have those bonuses as you go which helps build this engine to get to Mars, right? Um, and uh, so the mission, let's say the mission to, to the Earth orbit, you're drawing three cards off this launch deck. It's probably, if I remember correctly, it's nine, um, nine spaces to get there. In your launch uh, um, preparation, depending on where you're going, you can add bonuses to get like technology to push you up this track before you get to launch so that you're mitigating that randomness as you're drawing from the deck. Um, yeah, that to me, that is the unique part of it. It's like that whole quacks thing. I'm going to, I'm just going to keep pulling cards until I bust. Right. Um, but this, you have a certain amount of range of cards. Now the, what I had said before is as you're pulling cards, you can abort a mission. If you abort a mission, um, the formula is, one less card than the amount of cards that you have. So you look at your launch and go, okay, it's going to cost me maybe a booster engine, or it's going to cost me, you know, uh, um, this item at launch, and I have to put it back into my, put it back into my um, 
a discard pile. If I do a mission and it's unsuccessful, I have to get rid of all of the cards that I've prepared in my launch and the mission. It's basically everything gets scrubbed. I have to start all over. Playing in solo mode, that's game over. You've just completely, the AI is going to take you off the rails. Um, speaking of the AI, uh, very cool in this game. The way that that's a deck drawn, the, the AI is going to this um, uh, planet or this, let's say, uh, celestial objective. And, uh, and then the next card is the mission. And then there's a number that you say, okay, this combined number, they're already this far way down the track. So sometimes it's panic mode when you're playing this solo. Um, my conclusions. Well, um, I'm a huge fan of Martin Wallace. Um, and he does cards right, in my opinion. Um, this game, um, yeah, I mean, that was my first draw to pick up this game was the designer. Then I love my deck building. I love my race. So all these things are falling in place. I think the biggest indicator that, I, that I'm having fun with this game, I think I've played it 10 times already. And oh, I maybe yeah. bought it a week ago. So, <laughs> right. Oh, wait. The oh, biggest, the oh, biggest you bought one. this one. Yeah, the, bi yeah. the biggest one, Ryan. I sleeved all the cards. Everybody just saw me go out of my chair because yeah, one yeah. like never sleeves his cards. Yeah. I but this one, oh yeah. The edges were starting oh. to get buffed and I kind of I twitched a bit and went, Kelly, this is a keeper. So um if so I sleeve, if I'm sleeving cards. Card. Yeah. So basically my final conclusion, um uh if you like the theme if you like deck building and if you like i can only imagine what this would be like with other players around because it's going to be a lot of bumping and shoving for cards and for trying to launch and get there before the next person gets there um yeah this might be the game for you and for me it's sitting in the middle shelf having potential to jump up onto the top shelf because i'm anticipating uh, what a what a what a group play is going to be like. So, that is my review of Rocket Man by Martin Wallace and published by Phalanx, gentlemen. So does, your, so does your version have all these really cool miniatures? <laughs> no, on board you, game? you could buy you could buy that as an add-on. But for me, ah. well, no, but for me right now, I'm like, okay, show me what you have, and then if I want to invest in the in the the bling. Because I'm concerned, I looked at it already. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong. I checked that out already. Oh yeah, I saw a big stack at uh, Dragon's Den with like neoprene player mats, yep. like miniatures, upgrade pack, and but oh my! All of my all of those goodness. aren't necessary for you to have a good play on this game. Ian, base yeah. game, chits done. I mean, it's it's the engine is there. The game is in the box, but appealing to Ryan's side. Yeah, you got all the little minis and and the and the mats and so. Because I am very interested in yeah. this game. I saw it on Kickstarter a while ago, and I don't know why I didn't pull the trigger. There must have been some other projects that were going on at the same time, and I said, "Yeah, I'll have to let that one pass." I got. What's going on? That's two games he's mentioned, Norm, <laughs> where he hasn't kickstarted something. He has, hey, a, fever. I, he has I, a fever. I, I'm going on. He's no, sexy. I'm in therapy. 
Can this be self-control? I'm in therapy right now with um, Rob from the Meeble Dungeon and Jason from (laughs) Dice and Dragons on our Kickstarter Access or value um, YouTube show because man, have we talked each other out of backing a lot of stuff? It, it's been very therapeutic. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ryan, and it's been five weeks since I bought a game on Kickstarter. <laughs> actually, well, don't go that far, Norm. <laughs> okay, five, it's been hours. Longer than five hours. hours. <laughs> So, Norm, what would you say sets this apart from other deck builders? Like, what makes what makes this one different? Well, it's, Kate, it's looking at deck building. Like, usually deck builders, like, I'm thinking clank in my head right now. You're trying to get cards that move you, like, cards that help you uh, um, interface with the board, right? This one is more so um, getting that rocket ready for launch. It's all about it's all about getting the choice cards that you have accessible to you um, in the in the uh, market and deciding when you're going to jump into the into the you know what level of engine because I mean you can go at the low level engine but with a good deck builder you want you want a small deck right so you got all your your, your high-end cards so I think this does, it does that idea of fine-tuning a deck better than a lot of other games because this game is about fine-tuning your deck to get that rocket. It's a race, right? So you don't want slough in your deck. You don't want, you know, hey, I got 10 bucks, 10 bucks. It's like, no, I want one $30 card that has an event on it or, you know, power. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's streamlined that whole deck building idea with that one purpose is launch that ship as fast as you can uh, and try to mitigate as much risk from that launch deck as you can as you're doing it. So I think that's what it is. And of course, it's got a fun solo. So yeah, yeah. Right on. So yeah, well, I've got a copy. If you guys want to have a shot at it, let me know. Cool. I'm sorry. I've been managing a lot of things on the stream end. <laughs> Did you put this on a shelf? I put it on, I put on the middle shelf with <laughs> the potential shelf, okay. of going to the top shelf once I play with other people. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I, it's good. I, it's this, that market is going to be ruthless, right? Cause I mean, you'll be eyeball. Everybody's going to look at cards and go, Oh, do I have the money? Do I have the money? Come on, get that. Yay, I just pulled enough you know, money in my hand to, yeah. You guys will like this, I know you will. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape's escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. So let's move on. You Perfect. Guys, you guys have got some, some California. <laughs> yeah. Do I need to sing the song again? Yeah. 
So I got chili peppers in the head now, so that's different. So it's ever clear. I know. Ever clear. Uh, that was back in distilled, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Moonshot. There All we right. go. Okay. Oh, hey. there's the box cover for the video. Yeah. First time so, ever. So we're going to be reviewing Santa Monica by Josh Wood and AEG Games is the publisher. So Santa Monica is two to four players. Sorry, Norm, there's no one to four. Oh. And it takes, what did it take us, Ryan? Half an hour? Yeah, we were it's like a half hour, half an hour. 40 minute game, something like that. And there was uh, four, four of us playing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Santa Monica in, I guess I'll just kind of go through the basic idea here. And then Ryan, you can just jump in, I guess. Sure. Yep. Okay. So in Santa Monica, what you're doing is you are building up a beachfront. And so the game has a stack of cards and each card has a different location on the beachfront, whether it's a surf, surf beach or a beach volleyball court or a ice cream stand. And so every turn you're going to get one of these cards to add down to your beach. And when you do that, there's two levels to the beach. There's the street side and then the actual ocean side. And so you're going to be basically making a, a tableau in front of you with two levels to it. And what's going to happen is when you take a card, that card can have a number of different things on it. And so it can tell you what, what way that that card is going to score. So there's, a, there's different ways you can score cards. Every card is going to have tags on it, like a sports tag or a tourist tag or something that indicates something special about that location. And usually that ties into the scoring. So like if you can get three sports cards in a row, you'll get this many points. Or if you have, or for your, you build next to at least one tourist spot, you'll get this many points. Your card is also going to tell you what you get. And that's either going to be money or people. And the people could be tourists, they could be locals, and they're going to go on that card and you can move them around your whole beach. And it's also going to give you different location spots. And there's these special spots that you want to move people to. So for example, the beach volleyball court has a little dotted circle around it that tells you, you need to get some people to actually go there and play volleyball. And if you do, <laughs> you're going to get points. So you get this many points when you have this many people go play volleyball. And, and also the cards could actually give you movements, right? So you can move people around your board from one card to the next card to the next card. And at the end of the game, it's kind of like a seven wonders type score pad, right? Okay, mm -hmm. you're going to get so many points for this, so many points for that. Most of the points are going to come from the cards you play and the special ways that they tell you how to score. There's also like a main scorecard that everybody has, that everybody shares, like specific goals you're going to do. And one of these always has to do with losing points based on having people not in spots. Like if you've got people just kind of wandering around willy-nilly yeah. and they're lost, they don't know what to do, then you're going to lose points for that. Um, and that's basically the goal of the game is you're going to build a tableau until you have somebody's got a certain amount of cards. Like I think you get 14 turns altogether, 14 cards on your, on your thing. And 
then you scored up and you see who did the best. Mm-hmm. Getting the cards is pretty straightforward. Like it's basically you take a card. There's there's a two row <laughs> market, right? There's yeah. going to be four row cards on the bottom that you can choose from, and then you can see the four cards on top. So when you take one on the bottom, the one on the top slides down. So you can kind of see what's available later is, on. Is there an economy of payment for these cards, or is it just pulling no, one from? The, okay, everybody's going to get a card. Yeah, okay. get a so card. you you kind of consider it it's a drafting game. Ah, okay, okay. You, you can see the game the cards mm-hmm. available, and That's right. on when it's your turn, you just draft a card. Okay, and there's is there any kind of rules where if you go deep from the, from the head of the line that you have to pay? resources yes like some of these? There is. Oh, okay so you're gonna get there is money in the game you don't get a lot of money throughout the game but there is some and what's going to happen is every turn there's going to be two different special actions that you could take instead of taking a card and those special actions also let you take a card but they might let you take a card from back or they might let you take two cards and as well as they'll also usually let you move people which is pretty big too because you want to you want to get your yeah. people moving around too so you can buy the special actions cool yeah, it's it's a really neat game. And the the part that I really liked about it is um it's a resource management game, but the resources are the actual people that you're moving around on your well essentially it's the Santa Monica Boulevard that you're moving them up and down. And I really like that there was um I think there's three different um or four different I can't, I'm people? losing it. Yeah, the people. Yeah, there's three different people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the VIPs that's that start on the board and they gain you points based on different locations We're, that they actually visit. Right. Um, and your starting card tells you about that. And then there's tourists and then there's, oh, uh, locals. God. The locals, yeah, yeah. yeah. And some spots actually only require, actually require one or the other like right and but and then you i like i like drafting the ones that allow you to put anybody into certain spots because it's a lot easier to move those people right everything like that but it was, i thought it was really really interesting um i really don't know anything else that i've played like all the aspects of this game are very familiar <laughs> uh, but i haven't played a game like it at the same time, um, it's really hard to make a comparison of like it's got the card drafting, it's got the things that you're moving around the cards, it's uh, variable scoring, like variable paths to uh, obtain points. It's and you're it's building a tableau a the whole time, right? Yeah, yeah. the The whole tableau is your is your personal player board. That you're just keep you keep adding on to. What I like is I like how how much heavy lifting the cards do. Right? Like mm-hmm. we yeah. a few weeks ago we did a the multiplayer or the multi-use card systems. And this is this is definitely that because everything takes place on the cards, right? The cards do everything basically. And I, I really like that idea too. Yeah. Cool. And it's it's a very clean iconography. Like once you've played it once and you, you only have to reference the little reference card once or twice throughout the game, but everything makes sense of what it's supposed to do. Like one 
orange guy can move two spaces. Like that iconography makes sense. Or I can move for anybody's two spaces or one space each type of thing. So some of the final scoring iconography we had to look up. So like some some of that wasn't as clear. Like we had to yeah. go back and say, okay, what exactly does this mean? But yeah, you said, the problem, it said it plays fast, right? Yeah. So does, yeah. once you once you get a few games, you get that that language yeah. in your head and you're fine, I guess. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to that one because that's actually one of my knocks is they use the same iconography, like um, the one that came up in our game was like every two dollars was a point. Like if you had that card, the the iconography said two dollars colon one victory point. So every two dollars is one victory point. But they use the exact same iconography for the adjacency rules. So it yeah. says if you have one. Um, sports tag next to this card you score four points but it sh- it looks like it should read every sports tag next to this card is worth four points uh, but that's not how it scores it should have a, just an equal sign not a per type right. of thing that yeah. that but that really is my only knock on the iconography is this that they use the same one to mean multiple Two different, different things, things. Yeah. Sort sort of like a rule double entendre. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I hate using big words. <laughs> My vocabulary very limited. So what do you think of the artwork and the components, Ryan? Oh, artwork, very whimsical, very I am on the Santa Monica Boulevard, sipping margaritas or pina yeah. coladas or whatever type of fruity alcoholic beverage I can conjure up and I'm going to go sit on a beach. It's actually a very relaxing game because of that art. Yeah. The color, yeah. the color palette that they selected are very kind of soft pastel colors that remind me of like summer tones. Right. Right. Totally. get yeah. It totally brings you me just there. want to have an ice cream cone while you're playing. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's Sit, exactly it. Sitting on a bench on the boulevard, watching the uh, watching the rollerbladers go by. Or is yeah. that a '90s thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the meeples are very nice. Um, I like the little details that they put on them. Like some of them have uh, sunglasses. Yeah. Some of them have like little um, cameras hanging from their neck, type of thing. So, yeah, very very cool. Yeah, to, to represent like, hey, hey, this guy's a tourist. This guy is a local. <laughs> yeah. Type of thing. So um, cards were very nice quality. Though those sand dollars, huge wooden chunks. Yeah, I like these guys. Yeah, they're huge. They, like they're massive. Big cookies. Big cookies. Yeah. So the no. you guys are happy with the components then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it looks yeah, they like fit, they fit the game very well. I, I did. I don't know. I didn't actually look at the box for this. Um, is this a, a culprit of the boxes too big for the components? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's. There's that's a lot funny. of wasted space on the side. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of shoulder space on that box. <laughs> Take the insert out, man. It's driving me nuts. Just pitch it. We'll talk about that next time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, I like the I like the components. Um, tell me about the rule book. 
The rule book is good. It, it makes, it's pretty clear. Um, really lots of pictures, easy to go with the flow, right? It, it follows the flow of the game really well. Yeah, good rule book. Uh, like I said, we had some issues with what are the main scoring ways and there it took me no time at all to find that out like it was easy to yeah cool figure it out yeah really good real book yeah it seemed uh late later that night i went and i like downloaded the rule book onto my ipad and just did a quick because i knew we talked about we said hey let's talk about santa monica as a review game so i went and looked at it and it's yeah it's laid out very nicely yeah yeah very nice i think uh, lately in the i would say in the past five years that rule books have have had a lot of attention drawn to them in the simple fact that they're getting better well, yeah because they're scrutinized so much that yeah. people are paying more attention to it for yeah. sure yeah they're scrutinized to the extent that there's multiple youtube and media channels dedicated to teaching people how to play the game <laughs> because people don't want to read the rule book or the rule book's got so much ambiguity in it I diverse. <laughs> so let's do some let's do some conclusions here, Ian. What do you like about Santa Monica? I I just I guess if I'm looking at the gestalt of it all, I like the, just the tone and the mood that it sets. Right? It's a it's cool. I mentioned this term before, but it's a lazy Sunday game because <laughs> it's it's got kind of a cool um, chill out kind of vibe to it that I like and the artwork adds a lot to that. And the fact that it's, it's not a very, it's not a conflict game, right? Like the only, no. the only thing that other players can really do to mess you up is take the card that you want before you can take it. Uh, and that's not that big a deal. Cause there's yeah. always some other good card that'll come up. That, so it's fine. Um, I like, like I said before, I like the, the multiple uses the cards have and the artwork is great. And I like the idea of moving the people around from card to card and trying to get them where they need to be. Cool. Cool. Anything you, you don't like anything you don't. Oh, I get okay, I'll do my likes. Um, I, I really like that fact of the being able to move the people around your board. And you your the way the cards come out are gonna dictate um how efficiently you're going to be able to do that. Cause there was a large portion of the game that I played. Um, there was a, a middle part of the game where there were no movement cards coming out yeah. and all our people were kind of stuck in their places. And as soon as a movement card came out, like people were all over them. We're like, we got to get these people into their spots or else we're scoring negative points. Or I kind of had it in my mind. I'm like, well, these movement things, I got to go get these cards that score me other points to counteract the negative points that I'm going to occur type of thing. So I, I really like that kind of back and forth and the order of the cards are really going to dictate the style of the game that's going to come out. Um, I like that there's like cards in the game that um, if I put this down on my tableau, now I can't build anything to the left of it anymore. That was actually a really kind of cool card. Yeah. I kind of put a restriction. It was a really good card, but put a restriction on my tableau now. I can't build anything um, in one direction anymore. Um, I like the chaining. There, we didn't really talk about the chain. There's the one way to score points is the chain. Um, similar 
icons next to each other. But you have to have the chaining card in order to score those points. Um, And being able to have that little visual, um, the the visual aspect, Mm -hmm. the spatial aspect of putting down your cards um, really, really mattered. And I really like that part too. Yeah, it was a very clever it's very clear. I, I felt clever at times. I'm like, Ooh, I grabbed that card and I put it here and Oh yeah. Look at all the points I'm going to score. And I just kind of sit back. I'm like, Ooh, that was a good move. Little tap on the shoulder. <laughs> well done. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Any, anything you don't like about Santa Monica? Well, I don't know that I'd say I don't like it, but it is, it's, it, I mean, it's a straightforward game. It's a little bit of a lighter game. I do think it's, is ripe for an expansion. Like I think there's things they could do, li- just little tidbits they could add to it that would enrich the experience. So for example, a few cards that do something just a little bit different, like maybe the cards give you a special, if you get a specific card, now you can do something that nobody else can. Like maybe you, it's easier for you to get money or, or to mo- you get an X, a movement every turn or something like that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for a nice little expansion like that. Right on. Cool. Right on. Yeah, I, I don't have very many knocks. Um, just that iconography business that was um I don't know, I don't know what the reason was for that. <laughs> um the the meeples are nice. They're they are the the tiny meeple form. So if you have Skinnies, big yeah. chub, if you have like a sausage big chubby fingers. sausage fingers, <laughs> you're gonna be fumbling around with those a little bit, but that's not a meat problem. I just thought they were a little um oh there was one other thing i was gonna say but i don't know what it is now crap okay <laughs> cut that <laughs> no I, I overall i kind of i really enjoyed the the play of this um it's I, I enjoyed it so much that i even asked you what's the two-player um play experience of this and what was your response into that I think it, it plays very much the same. Like it's, yeah. it's uh, just it's got as a nice scale it, to it. It does. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah because I, I, I do have this in one of my online um, game carts currently. <laughs> <laughs> just got to get up to some uh, free shipping. It wouldn't be an episode but, uh, <laughs> if you weren't uh, accumulating some. Uh, yeah. 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 No, I really enjoyed it. And I think it's a game that Jen would enjoy as well. It, all those positive things it's a lighter game like it's not it's not a brain burn they're just a couple times you're just like how am i going to get that guy like that's like six cards away into a a scoring spot because all these other scoring spots are already full and if they're full they have no room for anybody else and so yeah but it was no it was really good game i like i really enjoyed it all right. Well, what's your guys' final assessments? I'll let, I'll let Ian put it on a shelf because he's the one who actually physically oh. owns it. <laughs> <laughs> well, physically, it's on the top of the shelf because that's where all my new games are going now. But because that's all I've got space for. <laughs> but I would say it's a, it's a middle shelf game. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Middle of the road. I could, I could see it being a middle of the road. I don't think this would be a game claim. Uh, it's not making my top 50 list um, any year soon, but it's very enjoyable. I really, really enjoy this type of game. I like the, the you gave it that, that term. It's a, a nice Sunday afternoon game. Yeah. Cool. 
Well, yeah, yeah, I believe like I believe some of these other um shows out there, they're starting to say um the term welcoming game. This is very much a welcoming type of game. There's not a lot of rule overhead to it, and people can, can jump in and it doesn't last long. Like you're not gonna be stuck if you don't enjoy it, you're right. not gonna be stuck yeah. there for you're hours. Cool. Yeah, cool. Well, that's uh I think that's a, a nice rounding out point for this episode. Um, uh, you, you guys, you guys got me curious about this game. I might have to have a, I have to have a little look at that. But again, I'm not putting that in my shopping cart like Ryan. I'll, no, I'll wait till it doesn't Ryan. have a solo mode. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Maybe well, you can I, you can design a solo mode. I'll throw one together. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, that being said, thank you so much for uh, getting your way to the end of the episode. We really appreciate it. And that being said, I'm your host, Norm. I've been (laughs) Ryan. (laughs) And I'm going to go get some ice cream. I'm Ian. And we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.